Welcome to the Be About Being Better podcast, where we help people make evidence-based, sustainable, small changes for their health that compound into huge shifts towards a better, more vibrant life. I'm your host, Abby Stacier, a health and life coach, future registered dietitian, a master's graduate from Columbia University, and a certified intuitive eating counselor. And I believe that we can't make lasting or meaningful change single-handedly, so I'm so happy that you're here so that together you can see that a diet-free, sustainable lifestyle is possible, and you can leverage that to live a better life. And remember my disclaimer, this podcast is meant to give you general information and it's not meant to substitute or replace medical advice, a diagnosis, or service treatment. Hello, hello. Y'all, I am so excited for this episode. Another one that has been highly requested we're going to be talking about what supplement companies don't want you to know. I get messages from y'all literally on the daily. Y'all sending me TikToks. Y'all sending me different posts. Y'all sending me all these different products that you're seeing online asking me, hey, is this safe? Is this good? Is this effective? Well, we're going to be diving into it today. Um, We're going to be talking about what supplement companies don't want you to know, some things to look out for, and just I just want to increase your awareness about these things because I feel like out there, they don't want you to know all this information. They they truly don't. And a lot of the information that I am going to give y'all today is what I've picked up in my studies working to be a registered dietitian. And when I was studying at Columbia, we had a guest speaker come in to lecture to us. His name is Todd Cooperman. And he is the president of Consumer Labs, which is a third-party testing company. So they do a lot of independent testing of products and shows, hey, this past inspection, this didn't, this product is worth it, this isn't. They fund their own research so that, hey, this is effective. It's not. Because some of the research on different supplements and different products can't really be reliably trusted because I'm it might not be good research, but also the, the people funding the research might be the people that invented that product. Obviously, they're not going to put out a study that shows that it's not effective or a bad product, right? Because that's bad advertising. So it's really good to always look at when you're looking at studies, who is funding that study and also look to see, okay, is this study conducted by a third party testing company like Consumer Labs because they are more of a neutral independent party that can be more objective. So you're more likely to trust that research if it's coming from that source. So we had the president, Todd, come in to speak with us, and he gave us a lot of stats of what they've seen and a lot of um, just common issues that supplements have. And I want to bring that to your awareness so that as you are selecting supplements, you have a better idea of what to look for and I hope that this will caution you from just getting some some product on the internet because you see some influencer using it and actually being a critical consumer of these products. Is this safe? Is this third-party tested? Do I really need this? Or could I get these vitamins and minerals? Could I get these nutrients from a natural source? And I know a lot of these products say, oh, it's naturally sourced. No, I'm talking about literally go food, <laughs> fruits and vegetables, some spinach, Right. Uh, maybe an apple. Like let's let's try and at first get our vitamins and minerals from food sources. However, sometimes we do need to supplement. Like for me, for example, I have been vitamin D deficient in the past, so I have to be 
cognizant that vitamin D isn't in a lot of food. Like it's in eggs, like it's in a couple things, but food is not a good source of vitamin D. So I need to take a supplement and I supplement every day. And I can put in the show notes which one I, I use that my doctor recommended. I love it. Doesn't taste like anything. I put a few drops on my tongue. I put two drops on my tongue in the winter when I'm not really getting outside that much, don't have a lot of skin exposure. And then one drop on my tongue in the summer. And that seems to help. Now, when I was deficient, I was putting three drops on my tongue, regardless of the season, until I got my blood work checked. Okay, now we're in normal levels. And then I switched to like the two drops, one drop ratio. Uh, but it took me, I had to like really get my levels up because I was so deficient. So I understand that there are situations where we need to supplement because we could be deficient or like prenatal vitamins, for example, like we need extra of some of these things. And yes, we can get this through food, but we need to, like, it's so important that we get these vital nutrients. Like we need to make sure that you're getting this one way or the other. So like taking a vitamin, like prenatal vitamins, for example, are essential and recommended during that time. So there are certain situations where yes, supplementation is important, but our first line of defense, our first action step should be, can I get this vitamin and mineral in through food? Do I really need to supplement? Because there are a lot of risks to supplements. So let's dive into that today. The first thing I want to say about any supplement is that they are not regulated by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. So literally anything goes. They're not regulating these supplements. There is no registration process for any of these. So that means that there is variability in the contamination levels, and we'll get more into that. And there's different contamination limits. There is no sort of regulation or standardization of the ingredient identity parameters, meaning that people can just say whatever on the label doesn't because it's not regulated. So people can just make whatever claims, put whatever amounts in there. And say that a product is in there, even if it's not like there's just, and not everyone's trying to be truthful. What they're trying to do is get your money. So they're going to do whatever they can to make the product sell. And if saying that, Hey, X amount of antioxidants are in there, or that this specific trending product is in there and they're not using this sweetener, they're using this one, like they're going to do it, even if it's not accurate. So it's just something to be aware of. And their testing methods aren't standardized. So that's something that that comes, um, you know, it's, it's a risk with any of these products because each manufacturer determines their contamination limits, their ingredient identity parameters, their testing methods. And no manufacturer is the same. They're all kind of doing their own things. Now, there are like good manufacturer practices called GMPs. Um, But Consumer Labs, you know, when Todd came to speak with us, he said that 52% of GMP inspections in the U.S. and 42% outside of the U.S. in 2019 resulted in citations or infractions. And most commonly for not specifying or verifying the identity of an ingredient. So maybe a product was in there, but it wasn't on the label or something was in the product and it wasn't labeled correctly. Like it wasn't the right product or 
something was in there and detected, but it wasn't written on the label, which is really scary to think about because say you have a food allergy to something like gluten, for example, like if you have a gluten allergy, if you have celiac disease and it says on the label, which they're, I mean, for these major allergens, they're really good doing that uh, and labeling in there, but they might not be able to label if you know there's cross-contamination there. But I'm just using a big allergen as an example, although I think most products are good about that because it's a certified major allergen and there's like nine major allergens. But just for this example, say you're taking a product and it doesn't say that there's gluten on it. So you think to yourself, okay, this must be safe. And then you consume and you have a reaction. Well, because it's not regulated and you were taking a supplement, like they didn't have to certify that it was gluten-free or there might've been cross-contamination in the manufacturing lab. And it's like, they didn't, they didn't have to certify that. So you have that risk. So it's, it can be really dangerous for people if you have an allergic reaction and you're thinking that it's safe because it's not in the ingredient list, but it's actually in the product. That is not good. So, uh, yikes. So 52% of these inspections in the U.S., 42% of these inspections that have been conducted outside of the U.S. resulted in different citations and different infractions. So these manufacturers, most of them not doing a really good job, not really being honest. So consumer labs, they test all sorts of products. And just to name a few, they're doing third-party testing, independent testing on apple cider vinegar, bone broth, B vitamins, calcium, CBD, cacao, um, creatine, creatinine, both of those are a little different, BCAAs, turmeric, digestive enzymes, extra virgin olive oil, probiotics, prebiotics, magnesium, Um, ketamine, actually green tea, fish oil, multivitamins, protein powders, different herbs, like milk thristle, ginseng. Is that how you pronounce that? Ginseng? Um, So many different products. And that's just to name a few. These are the types of products that they are testing in their lab to see, okay, do the labels match? And looking at the product, are they contaminated with anything? What's really going on here? And they found in their testing back in 2019, that's where they had this data from. Uh, One out of five supplements was deemed of poor quality. That is 20% of products of poor quality. That's not good. That is not good. And they said that 21% of the products that they selected for testing failed to be approved. Yikes. That's bad. And then to get even more nitty gritty, 37% of the herbal supplements, anything herb-related, failed. 17% of their vitamins, so like slightly better, like less than 20%. And then other supplements, it was like 35%. So anywhere from like 17 to 37, so like on average 20. So I'd say one out of five. I feel like that's a good estimate. 20%, one out of five. Um, That's a gamble. And then you don't know, like if you're at a store – and you're selecting a bottle of uh, gummy vitamins or whatever, and there's maybe eight on the shelf. Well, let's make let's round up. Maybe make it ten on the shelf. That would mean that like two of them are likely to be contaminated. Who knows? Are you going to pick that two? Is the person after you going to pick one of those two? Are you going to pick one of the good ones? Or maybe this batch they're all bad. Like you just don't know, and and it's really. And it's really scary. And obviously, supplement companies don't want you to know about that. 
They, they don't, they want to make the most amount of profit. So they're going to do things as cheaply as possible, as far as their labor, their manufacturing, their transportation, their packaging, they're going to do everything they can to make their overhead as low as possible. And then probably double down on the advertising to sell this to you so that they can, and obviously mark up the price to get a huge profit because that's what they care about. They don't care about your health. They care about making a profit and they know that these kind of gimmicky supplements sell, especially if you have smart marketing. The most common problems that come up when a product fails is that there's too little or none of the ingredient in the product that the label says. So if something says, oh, there's 20 grams of this in there, there might be 15 grams uh, or might not be in there at all. Or... There might be too much. Might say there's 20 grams, but maybe there's 30 grams. It's like, all right. If so, if you're someone that's trying to stay within a certain range, or if you're trying to, you know, count things, like sometimes clients that work with me count how much protein they're getting. So you could be totally off going way over for your goals in a dangerous way if the labels aren't accurate. Like that's what you're going off of. That's what you're trusting is accurate, but most of the time it's not. There might be inadequate labeling to describe the ingredient, poor quality of the ingredient. Like just because something's in there doesn't mean that it's not like rancid or like not ripe, not the right form. Like there's a lot of forms of vitamins and not every form that's in various vitamins is the like quote unquote active form. So you might be like they might say there's vitamin D in there, but if it's not like vitamin D2 isn't the same thing as vitamin D3. So you'll see the supplement I have in the show notes. If you're someone that needs vitamin D, it is D3 because that's the form that we need and that we absorb the best. So yeah, vitamin D2 is just not recommended. I can't tell you how many times at the hospital, these doctors would be prescribing vitamin D2 and I've had to correct several doctors at the hospital. And tell them, no, 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 we need, we need to order vitamin D3. I'm not sure where you went to medical school, but no, they, it's not their fault. They don't get a lot of uh, nutrition knowledge, but that's why the dietitians are so valuable in the hospital setting because we are up to date on you know what's the active form and what's not. And there's a difference between um, folate and folic acid. So you know these are things that we, we want to be cognizant of because our body absorbs different forms. So- there might be that issue, but they're also, they might be expired or just not, not the right form. If there are any oils in these supplements, a lot of these supplements fail because there's a spoilage of these oils and they're just rancid. A huge reason why supplements fail inspection or are not right are because they are contaminated with heavy metals. This is kind of scary to think about, but... So these, these like manufacturers, they literally don't care. And then unapproved label claims. You know, sometimes they'll say like, this is heart healthy or this, you know, lowers your blood sugar. Like it can't make that claim that it lowers your blood sugar. Like that's not, that's not an appropriate claim. So there are certain regulations um, for what you can put on a label normally, like if it's a product that does get approved by the FDA, which normally food products, USDA also reviews food labels and things like that. 
And so there are certain health claims that you can and can't make, but when it comes to supplements, because they are not regulated by the FDA, literally anything goes. So they can say like, this is all natural. Like, mm, no, it's not, but nobody's going to stop them because they're not regulated by any governing body. And you know what? People probably don't want to regulate them because they're a huge money driver. You know, they bring in a lot of profit. So, and I also want to talk about protein products and protein powders because the president of Consumer Labs, Todd, he came in and this really surprised me. And I because we all have protein powder. I think most of us consume that. Um, so they found that there was a lot of misinformation on the protein powder. First of all, I will say, when they're making these big protein powders, they're mixing everything in like a huge, I don't want to say cauldron, like that's like not the right word, but a big, like not a bowl. What's the right word? Like not like a big, like, I don't even know what the right word is. But if you're thinking like a factory, like a really big container to mix things in, in an industrial type way, an industrial size, I think we just got to stick with the word cauldron because that's what's on my mind, apparently. <laughs> I don't know. But it would be where they were mixing a huge batch of protein powder that would go, like when you get your protein powder in a bag or like the collagen peptides, like a little container, like, you know, the plastic container that like Orgain comes in, whatever it is. So when you get that, that's one like serving. So it's not, it's packaged individually into those little containers or a bag of protein powder, but it's coming from one huge serving. So if they say, okay, this batch is going to make 20 bags of protein and each bag of protein allegedly should have 20 grams of protein in it, then we are going to, then let's do like 20 times 20 is 400. We are going to dump in this cauldron 400 grams of protein and then mix up everything else that you put in there. You do that with every single, like if, there, if we're going to say there's 100 milligrams of vitamin A, okay, 100 times 20 bags of protein is going to be 2,000 grams of vitamin A. So let's dump that in the cauldron because it's the total of how many bags we're going to be getting. Hopefully you're all following me with this. So we're going to mix up the cauldron. We're going to stir it up. And then from there, we're going to divvy it up between the 20 bags. Now, when you're stirring up all of this protein powder and all of the ingredients, and then you scoop it out into 20 bags of protein, like how do you know then that every scoop that you're scooping out, because maybe like one serving of protein for your shake is one scoop, or maybe it's two scoops, depending on the protein powder. Like, how do we know that that bag of protein is evenly distributing the 400 grams of protein powder, the 2000 grams of vitamin A that's in there? So that when your scooper goes in at home to then put the protein powder in your blender, that there's 
if it says there's oh, okay, each scoop has 20 grams of protein, how do we know that that is a hundred percent evenly distributed? Do you follow me here? I hope that this makes sense. I, I'm asking you these questions like you could answer me in the moment, but obviously you can't. Uh, <laughs> let me know on Instagram. Like, there's no way to control that. So when this guest speaker came in to speak with us, I was mind blown. I'm like, here I've been thinking this whole time that my one scoop of protein powder would have 20 grams of protein because that's what the label says. That's what the packaging says. And I've been trusting that. But there's no way to determine if one scoop or the next. There's no way to even determine, I'm sure, there, unless a third party testing company is really doing this, that even the whole bag would have what it says. Some bags might have more. Some bags might have less because it's all like they're mixing it in these huge batches in that cauldron and then dividing up. Okay, this makes 20 bags of protein powder. So we're going to just divvy it up. Like, how do we know that's mixed? evenly distributed, you know, that it's evenly distributed and then it's divvied up in an even accurate way. When it's all these like grain particles, cause like, like all the protein powder looks exactly the same when it's a finished product. You don't know what's in there. You're trusting what you're putting in the like cauldron and hoping that the mixing process does its thing, but there's no way to determine that everything is evenly distributed. So I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Like that was kind of enlightening, but also scary at the same time. So just something to be aware of. So when Consumer Lab did some testing of some protein powders, they found that one scoop had of this one protein powder they were testing had 5.6 grams of carbohydrates in one scoop when the label said that it was three grams of carbohydrates. So for someone that's really trying to watch their carbohydrates and they think, oh, I'm just getting three grams of carbs. No, you're getting almost double that in your scoop. It's wild. It said on the label that there was no cholesterol when, and they actually tested the scoop, there was 20 milligrams of cholesterol in the scoop. So they said there was it wasn't even in there. But in fact, it was in 20 milligrams, which is significant. Sodium, it claimed that there was 180 milligrams of sodium in there. When in reality, one scoop had 325 milligrams of sodium in there. For somebody that has hypertension, somebody that has high blood pressure, somebody that has any sort of kidney malfunction, somebody that needs to be watching their sodium, their salt. Hello? That's like That's a significant amount over. That's not good. Um, And this is probably the scariest one. They found that in this protein powder that they were testing, there was 17.6, so let's round that up to like 18, micrograms of total arsenic, which 15.6, so like about 16, so 16 out of 17 micrograms was inorganic arsenic, which is the form of arsenic that's the most toxic. That's very concerning. That is extremely concerning. We should not be consuming arsenic, but this is what's sneaking its way into our products. And this is what the supplement industry does not want you to know. And here's the other thing, because you might be thinking now, okay, I need to just, all the supplements I use, I either need to get rid of them or make sure that they're all third-party tested. Well, let me tell you this, just because something on their website says, hey, we're third-party tested, does not mean that it passed the test. 
Because you could just say, oh yeah, we're third-party tested. And that means that you sent your product to be third-party tested. But you, you don't know if that means if they passed or failed the test. But what they said is still accurate. Yes, we send our products, all of our products, for third-party testing. And it's like, well, what was the result of that? But a lot of people don't ask those questions. They just assume, oh, they're doing their due diligence. They're sending it off. They're trying to be objective. They're sending it for testing. Good. A lot of people don't question it because if people say things confidently enough, and if people don't know the right questions to ask, like I hope that, you know, if an Arbon consultant starts messaging you in the DMs, Beachbody coach starts messaging you in the DMs, you now have enough information to be like, okay, I understand your products are third-party tested, but are they passing? And so that you can be a critical consumer of the products that you are consuming. We need to be cognizant of what we're putting in our bodies. So I think even with all of this, like I want to make people aware, but I don't want to like scare people too much because there is a time and place. Like I have protein powder. I put collagen peptides in my coffee every single day. Y'all know I put it in my soup. I put it in my tomato sauce. I mix it with my scrambled eggs. I'm having collagen peptides all the time. Like I, I it's a supplement, but I love it. And I like it. So I love it and I like it. I'm just going to have it every single day. And that's what it is. It's what it is. And I'm not going to give it up. And I know that there's a certain amount of risk associated with it. And each batch that I'm getting is different. Apparently every scoop I'm scooping is different. But that's the risk that I take. And I'm just going to keep doing it. And I'm going to keep taking my vitamin D. And I'm going to keep taking my little prenatal vitamins that I like. And it's what it is. So and I'm and I like protein bars too. Same goes with these protein bars. Who knows if the label's accurate? And I'm still going to be consuming these things because there is a time and place for convenience. And I also think if we like the taste, then we should have that every once in a while. However, if we can lean on having whole foods, like the real food, instead of the supplement, that should be our first choice. And truly treat supplements as a supplement. It is supplementing. It is filling in any gaps that your regular diet has. So you're filling in the gaps or enhancing what your you know baseline, what your regular nutritional profile is. So I hope that this was helpful. Hopefully not too scary. <laughs> um, if you have any questions about supplements, keep sending me. I you know I love learning about. Supplements, seeing what's out there, seeing what y'all are being targeted uh, with the ads and, you know, see if I can help you. Cause a lot of the times I'll message y'all back and be like, Ooh, like do not do not worth your time, not worth your money, not worth the risk. I mean, that could be contaminated with heavy metals. It could have in- expired ingredients. It could have ingredients in there that aren't even listed on the label. So just know not everything is worth it. Most things aren't, and you can get most things through food because there's a lot that the supplement company does not regulate and they do not want you to know. Talk to y'all soon, and I will see you next week for our next episode. Hey, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the Be About Being Better podcast. I so appreciate you. If this episode made you laugh, smile, think about yourself or your life differently, in any way making your life better, I empower you to share the show with three people who, just like you, need to hear this message and have this type of transformation in their lives. I personally read all the reviews of the show and see the Instagram story shares and 
honestly gives me so much joy to see that our mission is making people's lives better and the reviews really do help in increasing our impact so thank you so much for taking the time to do that if you need personalized support with anything discussed in today's episode or need help creating a sustainable diet-free lifestyle take my quiz it's linked below in the show notes and that quiz will help you see which one of our coaching programs is right for you thank you so much again for listening and here's to being about being better